0: This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Director of Wichita Airports, Victor White. Welcome to Issues 2021. Nice to have hey, you Hey, good us.
1: morning, Steve.
0: How are you doing today? Well, you know, every day is a little bit better, it seems, these days. Uh, can you give us a, a general idea of the impact of the COVID pandemic <clears throat> on, on air travel across the United States, not just in Wichita, but across the United States? How's it been?
1: I tell you what, if you had about six hours, I could tell you. <laughs> it, it, it has been the craziest, worst disaster that the aviation business has seen ever since in history. Uh, it's it has been horrible for the uh, airline industry, or not just in the United States, but around the world. But you know, in the U.S. alone, I believe the airlines lost. Over $35 billion last year uh, because of the lack of passenger demand and lack of traffic. And for the year, uh, nationally, uh, airline passenger airline traffic dropped about 70%. 70%. And here in Wichita, we were just a little bit better than that. We were down about 55%, 56%, which is pretty much what the other uh, regional airports around us, Kansas City, Oak City, Tulsa, et cetera, experienced. So we were pretty much right on the line with, with everybody else. But, you know, we had some really, really horrible days a little over a year ago. In fact I was telling somebody the other day that our absolute worst day probably in the history of this airport since nineteen fifty four happened in early April of last year when we had sixty three passengers. Sixty three was the only amount of people who flew out of airplanes on here that day compared to an average of about two or three thousand. You know, so it, it has just been crazy and of course naturally when when an airport like this one and most others <clears throat> is a separate business entity we're we're a business enterprise that happens to be owned by a city government but we have to stand alone and pay our own bills and our revenues that are that are uh, demand based you know tied to that passenger traffic is down terribly last year. I mean, we we had our parking revenues were down, you know, 50, 60 percent. Our food and beverage uh, revenue was down about 60 percent. Our rental car revenue was down about 50 percent. You know, and so our landing fees, because there were fewer airlines flying, it just multiplies across the board. To the financial impact that it had on this airport, and so we're we're trying to dig out of this mess. When we see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, a, things are starting to pick up a little bit.
0: But it's the same international travel, air travel, and I'm sure because we're all it was a, this is a worldwide pandemic, right?
1: Well, absolutely worldwide, and of course, just just from the U.S. perspective, the international travel to and from the U.S. is still down. Over 80 percent, because there are countries that will not fly to the U.S. and there are countries the U.S. will not let fly here because they're still, you know, protecting the the, the borders from the from the outbreak. And so, <clears throat> airports like uh, JFK and Miami and Seattle, L.A., you know, Chicago, Atlanta, those that have a huge amount of international traffic are really down, way down. It's just—it's just incredible the impact that this this pandemic has had on the aviation business.
0: I've been seeing some and reading some news reports recently that is—is is air travel making a comeback now,
1: Victor? Do you well? Think? You know, I'm sure hopeful. Uh, the the experts, and believe me, there's lots and lots of consultants out there making a big buck these days trying to predict what's going to happen and when recovery will occur. But most of the good consultants tend to say it's still going to be a couple more years before airline traffic gets back <clears throat> at least domestically to uh, where it was in 2019, which was record, record year mm-hmm. for, for the, us and everybody else. So, but we are seeing a little bit more traffic the last, uh, last month, a spring break, of course, is a, is a is an anomaly, I guess, when you when you when you look at it. But we're celebrating every new passenger we can get every day because it's so exciting to see more people in the terminal. It's exciting to see. I was in walking through the concourse the other day and shooting pictures of people in the bar and in the restaurants, and you know, say, wow, that's the most people I've seen in a year, the most I've seen in a year, and so that's a good thing but it's spring break so you know there's there's a lot of uh, people traveling and i I gotta say that one of the things that that is gonna be a probably a long-term recovery is business travel business airline travel is hurt the worst compared to leisure travelers so we're seeing and many airports are seeing a pickup of just Families and people taking trips to the beach, taking trips to the mountains, to the national parks, going to places they wouldn't ordinarily go to, and they're trying to get out in you know, places they can be kind of isolated and away from other people when they get there. So we're seeing more of those kind of travels, and the airlines are responding to that across the country by actually adding flights and adding new cities to their route structure that go to those kind of places. And so we're seeing, you know, people going to Florida out of here. Our nonstop flights to to Destin, Fort Walton Beach, Florida started this month. And uh, Allegiant's going to restart the Orlando-Sanford flights uh, in May. They're going to restart the flights to Los Angeles in May. Uh, Vegas is finally opened up and picking up. So it's a different kind of travel right now the business travelers still aren't coming back yet because they're doing Zoom calls and Teams calls and WebEx and, you know, Meeting virtual calls. They've repl- but I think after a year of this, we're hearing so many things from the industry that even the business travelers are worn out with virtual calls mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. nothing can beat a face-to-face meeting. Nothing can beat that personal contact you have with a client or a customer, whatever business you're in. When you're right there with that person, you can go out to dinner with them and go to the drinks with them. You can't do that if you're on a Zoom call.
0: Let's uh, backtrack for just a little bit about the pandemic's impact on Eisenhower National Airport. Did you, uh, Victor, do you have to terminate employees' employment or for anybody?
1: We did do furloughs of our part-time customer service uh, folks who work in the terminal. What we call the courtesy crew, the red coats that walk around and assist passengers, because there were first of all there were were no passengers. There were so few passengers throughout the last year. Uh, they were they were the first hit we had. We also had to terminate our uh, park and ride remote. Parking shuttle operations. Then we still have that parking lot closed, so we had to furlough the uh, bus drivers, the shuttle bus drivers that operate that. We cut a lot of cashiers in the parking lots. We didn't need that as as much. Uh, and then we've left a bunch of positions vacant when people have. Either quit or retired, you know, and so we probably got, I don't know, maybe 20 positions vacant right now out of 150-ish that we normally would have on the payroll. Mm-hmm. And and one of the, the interesting things about that concept is when we received, any, when any airport received a CARES grant from the federal government last spring, uh, there was a condition that you had to maintain your employment at no less than ninety percent of the amount of people you had on the payroll last March, mm-hmm. so we've been hovering at that you know about ten percent drop number ever since. And the new round of federal stimulus uh, relief money that's coming to airports also has a provision, I believe, that we have to continue that same ninety percent through next end of next September, I believe. So any of your uh,
0: pe- any of your people able to work from home, or is that? Uh- just not. Yeah. You. Well, really. You no know, that okay.
1: that's been the that's been one of the crazy things about it. I mean, personally, I worked from home during most of April and May last year, and only came into the office on weekends and nights when there weren't people around to do paperwork and copying and scanning and things like that that I couldn't do at home. But we still got a number of our administrative, finance, accounting, uh, contracts, and properties people who either work from home pretty much every day or they alternate, coming in like two days a week or three days a week. So uh, we're trying to keep the workforce safe. We're trying to keep people as, as much as possible isolated and away from each other so we don't spread the, the, the disease around the office building. Obviously, we have... We have a lot of jobs out here. In fact, the majority of our airport jobs, you can't do it from home. You can't be a police officer at home. You can't be a firefighter at home or an operations officer or a building maintenance guy or an airfield maintenance guy. Those people have to be here every day. And so it's been a real challenge to keep them safe and separate them and isolate them during this whole process.
0: What what steps have been taken to keep the airport as virus-free as possible?
1: Well, that's the good news in all of this is that we we hit that hot and heavy early we actually started in February, a year ago, uh, when we first started hearing things were happening, and our, our building maintenance crews, facilities crews, immediately started doing special disinfecting and sanitization processes and electrostatic spraying and all the the stuff that, that was, you know, kind of early on in the process, and we were among the first to start putting up, you know, uh, plastic plexiglass shields uh, at the... <clears throat> point of sale uh, counters you know in the in the food court and things like that in the restaurants and the bars at the airline ticket counters, the tSA security checkpoint, and started doing that. We started uh, doing the social distancing and mask uh, recommendations uh, in the spring last year until it became mandatory and so you know we felt like that that has helped a lot and one of the one of the interesting things about that concept is that uh, Harvard University did their their School of Public Health did a uh, couple of studies this past year, <clears throat> where they analyzed um, safety on-board airline aircraft, and also inside airports. And they came to the conclusion in both cases that flying on-board an airline aircraft is one of the safest places you can be because of the type of of air filtration systems and circulation systems that they have to minimize the risk of of, uh, virus transmission through the air. And then the same thing with the multiple layers of protection and sanitization and so forth that airports have done, that it significantly mitigated the risk in an airport setting. So as a result, I think there's a there's a feeling that it's not not unsafe to travel through an airport or on an airline aircraft.
0: You're listening to Issues 20, 2021 on the intercom radio stations, and our guest is Director of Wichita Airport's Victor White. Victor, uh, what about uh, the pandemic? Any impact uh, on Jabara Airport? I know that's under your jurisdiction as well.
1: You know, uh, traffic was down in the General Aviation sense, which is private planes mostly. Uh, even at, even at Jabara, because uh, few, and we 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 don't have a control tower, so our only way to really measure it is by the amount of fuel that's sold over there. I mean, jet fuel sales were down about thirteen percent. Uh, uh, corporate fuel sales were down about 80 or 90 percent so we saw less flying during the year last year Um, there were some bright spots however because at both airports for general aviation because as business travelers shied away from flying on an airliner they directed themselves towards charter planes mm. and, and towards smaller aircraft and, and that sort of thing. So that option was out there and it's still doing pretty well. We're, we're in fact one of our, our newest tenants out at at uh, Jabbar Airport at, at uh, Clemens Aviation, uh, their, their primary business is chartering of aircraft by jet. And they have a fleet. They've built two hangars already. They have two other hangars that are currently under construction. And they're moving their, or have moved most of their jet fleet from Stearman Field and Benton to Jabara. And they're our largest jet fuel customer right now because they're flying all over the country, if not some international stuff. Uh, And so those business travelers are finding other ways to get out and about without having to get on an airliner.
0: We understand the the Wichita Airport's recently received federal grants of more than $4.5 million. Uh, how will that money be spent?
1: Well, we've actually received, let me think here, uh, last year we received a CARES grant, which was the first round, and we received about $11 million <clears throat> for Eisenhower. And I think about $157,000 for uh, Jabara. And the conditions of the grant are that they would be used for operating and maintenance expenses and for debt service. And so an airport had a choice when you took one of those grants if you wanted to use the money to support and replace your revenues that you lost, which is what we did, or you could have used the money to build something. Well, we, we felt like the priority here was to keep, keep the airport afloat, obviously, and use the money for our operating and maintenance. The next round of federal grants, the, the Chrisha grants, they're, they're called in shorthand, we're going to receive about $4.2 million for Eisenhower and, and 57000 for for uh, Jabara. And then there's a third round of federal relief funding, the one that was just passed here recently, called the ARPA, A-R-P-A and we don't know how much we're going to get but we're hoping that the FAA when they release their their methodology here pretty soon we're getting around eight million so yeah it sounds like a lot of money and it is it's, it's huge because this airport has always prided itself since day one of never having to take any kind of grants from any taxing agency city county federal to support the operation of the airport but with our revenues down you know, tens of millions of dollars last year and continuing on this year, this is the lifeblood. This is what's keeping us afloat. And it's barely enough to replace what we have lost in all of our other revenues. So um, this is the first time in history that, that all the airports in the country that normally stand alone and are self-sufficient have had to go to a backstop like this and and we're thankful that that the Congress has passed all of these different bills to provide us from funding relief
0: let's let's talk for a little bit about the relatively new Eisenhower terminal Uh, everything Mm -hmm. holding up well none of the panels falling off or paint chipping or anything out there
1: you know it'll be open six years this June six years it passed really fast yeah and I've been very pleased and impressed with the fact that it's, yes, it's holding up quite nicely. Uh, Since day one, it's always been a real challenge to keep it clean because it is so shiny. You know, we have shiny floors, we have stainless steel everywhere, and we have glass everywhere. All of those things are prone to fingerprints when people touch them because they love to touch the windows and touch the stainless steel. So our, our custodial crews really have to hustle to keep the place clean. And, you know, when you when you look down a concourse and you have a 1,000 feet, literally, of shiny floor, one little bitty piece of paper, 100 feet away, stands out like a sore thumb. So they see it, I see it, and and well, up until at least COVID time, I constantly picked up trash off the floor. I don't do that any much anymore, and I miss it. But, uh, you know, unless I happen to have a pair of gloves with me. Are so, you still
0: getting positive comments, though, uh, on, on the terminal?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it's amazing, after all these years, we still get uh, lots of comments on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, people post pictures on Instagram, we see uh, comments on Yelp, where people are thrilled and, and just love the feel, the atmosphere, the environment, they love the service, they like the small, small-town small atmosphere, so to speak, but with the big, big-town look to it, uh, we, we get... Raving fans comments, as we call them, from from our customers and our guests all the time. So, it hasn't faded away. In fact, in 2020, we were the number three favorite small airport in the country, uh, according to USA Today when they did a survey. Yeah. and so that was that was pretty exciting for us to. Uh, you know, see some recognition like that from our
0: guests. Well, let's let's go back a little bit for uh, be back past the grant question. How, for those who don't know, how is the airport authority actually funded? Where does the money
1: well, come from? Well, as I said, we are a business, and so every thing that we spend has to be supported by a revenue coming in, and those revenues come from a variety of sources. We get rent from the airlines, we get landing fees from the airlines, we get fees for fuel sales, we get a commission off the the beer and hot dog sales in the terminal, and we get a commission off of the uh, retail news and gift sales in the terminal, we get parking lot revenues, and we have, as a master landlord of this entire 3,300-acre campus at at, uh, Eisenhower, we have huge amount of of real estate development that have, we own all of the buildings on the airport and all of the land. And so tenants like Cessna, Textron, Bombardier, Learjet, etc., these people rent the land and rent the buildings from us and pay us rent for those facilities. And so we're a giant landlord. And so you, you pile all of that money into the same shoebox and that's how we pay our bills. And so we do not use any... Revenues from the city or county or the state to help support this airport
0: do you have uh, I like the displays inside the airport or the terminal. any plans for any new displays uh, coming to the terminal
1: well, you know that is a that is a matter of money more than anything else, and we're trying to be very protective of the look and the feel of the terminal mm-hmm. so if we were to add anything new, it would have to be something really spectacular that would be complementary to the architecture and the look of the building. And so we've been very careful about not throwing in junky things. One of the things that we have added since the terminal opened was in I believe it was in August of twenty eighteen <clears throat> we put in the magic flight sculpture, the stainless steel sculpture that the far northeast Corner of the uh, ticketing lobby, and that was that was an addition that we actually had mothballed from the old terminal and brought it over. And most people say, "Wow, it looks way better in the new in terminal than it did sure. twenty years in the old terminal." <laughs> it just fits the architecture and the style. So we're very careful about that. And so you know, we'll we'll entertain ideas, and and I'll tell you, we've we've had a ton of people. In the last five or six years come to us and say, I want to add this, I want to add that. And we've had to say no, because it just clutters the place up. It doesn't mm-hmm. look right. It doesn't fit.
0: Right. Hey, listen, uh, what does the future hold for, for Wichita and air travel the next few months, next couple of years?
1: Well, it's it's really important. Um, i I say it's impossible to predict right now, at least as far as air travel goes, because the airlines are still trying to dig out from this financial hole that they're in. And all of the traditional ways that an airport and an airline did the dance to decide what routes you want to add or where you want to grow or whatever have been thrown out the window. And the airlines are making decisions now on routes like in a 30-day time frame, instead of a year ahead of time. And so right now, they're just going after those leisure-type destinations as their target. We still have to be prepared for the comeback and have destinations that are targets in, our say, our top 10 most underserved or non-served markets, and so we continue to have Every single day we have a person who talks to the airlines about route development and air service issues to try to see if we can get, you know, what, what's next. What are they going to add? And so we're, we're constantly looking at things, and we just, uh, we just don't know what's going to happen when.
0: Well, it sounds to me like you've, you've got your chin up, you're... <laughs> You're in a better, sounds like you're in a better mood than last time I talked to you over a year. Well, a year you know, I'm <laughs>
1: glad you said that because I wanted, I wanted to give some kudos to our staff out here hey. uh, that they have been resilient as all get out in this last year has been unprecedented in terms of what it's done Mm -hmm. the the morale and the mentality and their everyday in fact in some ways i see people working harder now than i did before Ah. because they're having to be creative and inventive with how they do their jobs
0: and that's going to have to be the last word because we're out of time But it's so so good to talk to you and i think things are looking better for for the entire country and for you guys out at the airport thanks so much for being with us we always appreciate your time victor Our uh, guest is Director of Wichita Airports, Victor White. And again, things looking a little better for the airline industry or the air. That's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.